When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Luna Lovegood, Part 1. May I have your attention, please? May I have your attention, please? Will the real weird sisters please stand up? We're gonna have a problem here. We're the weird sisters, we're the real weird sisters. All you other weird sisters are fine, but not the victors. Will the real weird sisters please stand up? Please stand up. Please stand up. Hi, and welcome to the Real Weird Sisters. I'm Martha. And I'm Alice. And today we're here to talk about Luna Lovegood in the fifth book. Well, I hope there's pudding, Alice. I'm oh, sorry. I hope there's pudding. Yeah, you have to do your better Luna impression. <laughs> that's not my Luna impression. That's my Ivana Lynch impression. Um, and hot take, there's going to be some Luna in the fifth movie criticism in this podcast. As I was preparing uh, some of these scenes, I was remembering what she says in the fifth book uh, versus for the fifth movie. And I was like, you know what? Maybe we've been a little too high on the Luna in the movies. Yeah, Luna in the movies is is decent. I think a lot of people love her. Um so it is going to be a bit of a hot take. Um, but I I don't know. I, I think it's maybe not so much Ivana Lynch. It's maybe sure. more the writing. Sure. That's usually the case with any criticism of Harry Potter actors. Yeah. Mine is Daniel Radcliffe. It, it's usually <laughs> we've taken the lo- the lines and we've boiled them down to what they think is the essence of the line. And then right. Lose... And it's actually only like a tiny bit a... of what... <laughs> Right. There was a lot of translation. There was a lot of meaning hidden in the waffle. And so we we lost that all. We uh, were left with just a little bit of syrup and a few crumbs. Right. (laughs) So anyway, I, like I said, I don't think it's not, uh, Ivana Lynch is really great. Um, Sometimes she's a little over the top with her Luna portrayal, but I mean, that and probably other is... times the writing changes who she is in a way that makes her a lot less of a complicated character. And, right. Uh, a little bit more flat. Yeah, well, it's all good fun. So let's go ahead and start. Uh, we're going to be just talking about Luna in the fifth book. As I was preparing, it was kind of interesting. She's really not... I mean, I think that what the author does a lot of the time with characters like Luna, uh, who are kind of like somewhere between a B and C character, uh, is there mentions of them being present a lot that are really not that meaningful or like adding that much to character development but it feels like they're there a lot just to be reminded that this character exists um and then there are some important moments too but most of this like discussion is going to be we have like our big scene at the beginning on the hogwarts express then we have a bunch of just small luna moments um just reminding us who she is then we have the uh quibbler uh article another few small moments of Luna and then we have the department of mysteries. So it's really just like three important Luna moments in this book, her introduction, the Quibbler interview and the department of mysteries. Right. And I will say, I think that that's one thing that I do actually really appreciate about the style, like the author's style about yeah. these books is like just having people mentioned a lot. First of all, it's realistic because I think in a lot of books, it come there they'll be like there's like three main characters and it's like always just the three of them yeah. and 
so that could have easily been the case with Harry Potter where it's like we're only seeing Harry, Ron, and Hermione all the time. Um, but that's really not realistic to real life. Like there's – you are always interacting with way more than just a couple of people. At least right. I am. Well, yeah. That, I think that that's how most people are. Uh, I agree that I feel like that is something that is well done in the series. Um, and especially because we have such a like vibrant setting of Hogwarts. Like the people at Hogwarts really are a big part of the setting. And just like once we meet Luna, the fact that she's like kind of part of the – the tapestry of Hogwarts uh, that makes sense that we're going to get mentions of her being like present all the time. Right. So um, let's, let's dive right into it. Like I said, our first uh, big scene with Luna is actually our first scene. In, uh, and it's actually the titular Luna Lovegood chapter. Um, she does have uh, two chapter arts that are featuring her face. Uh, this is the first one, two in this book, at least um, I haven't, don't i haven't uh checked the other the other books yet but um we have a picture of luna as as our chapter art um i guess we should probably talk about it quickly well we do love our good a good old yeah. chapter art discussion <laughs> yeah exactly i mean okay i guess this is fine uh we have the quibbler upside down we have the wand tucked behind the ear we have the like long frizzy hair it doesn't really look blonde but it's hard to do that in black and white i guess i think it looks blonde it's much lighter than the outline yeah, true. Um, don't really know what those pants are. That she's they're she like is. Cool, they're like kind of like culottes. <laughs> yeah, but also kind of like uh, I don't know what those are called. Like uh, gauchos. No, but they're they're like striped, so they're kind of like. Uh, <laughs> but it's like Bohemian. gaucho style. Like they look yeah, like they're yeah. really like baggy um, and flowy, but then they're yeah. like cut off like capri yeah. style. But then she is doing that classic fashion faux pas so this is how we know she's weird socks and sandals yeah i don't think that was described in the book i think that was a mary grand prey uh no they're not exactly birkenstocks they're kind of like slides but like double slides um yeah and then she has like cut off socks they, they could be kind of like a one there's one style of birkenstock that does look like that yeah but they're just a little bit wider strap than a normal birkenstock mm-hmm. um yeah uh the seat, this is very common for the Great Mary Grand Prix illustrations. I feel like her torso is about like three quarters <laughs> length of her body. And then so that means that the, the seat on the Hogwarts Express, which I didn't know there were armchairs on the Hogwarts Express. Yeah, that's what I was, I, I was looking a little bit at the dimensions and then also the fact that it looks like she's sitting in an easy chair. Right. But we like know she's on, the, she's on the Hogwarts Express, like. I don't think that's what the arms on trains look like. I well, not if it normal just, trains. Here's maybe the thing: magical if, it, trains. if it just didn't have the inside armrest, then right. it actually would look fine. Yeah, it's also like I feel like Mary Grand Prey's not fantastic also, at <laughs> doing like uh, dimension, right? And, well, and angles. Like that's what I was angle- going to say. Yeah, because like the the seat has its back like probably at about a thirty degree angle to yeah. the window, <laughs> right? And I don't think that's how trains are. Now, again, maybe the Hogwarts seats are different or it could I could see that being sort of a fun like way that the Hogwarts Express is, is like it's any type of seat you want it to be. But that's never mentioned, of course. Yeah, so. the, the seat really should be coming out perpendicular from the wall. You would think and it probably wouldn't be an armchair, but and you the know, window Mary wouldn't Grand be Prey, behind you. Mary Grand Prey likes to uh, kind of throw do the unexpected i think these kooky dimensions are just to reflect how kooky luna is Uh, right and just you know reminding us that this is a magical setting 
Yeah. She also looks like she's wearing like a, looks kind of like her vest is made out of like hair. No, that's her hair. Oh, okay. It's I thought hanging. that was a vest. No, that's her hair. <laughs> well, and it ends wearing, so, like, it, it, the ends of the vest are so like strong. <laughs> it's not a vest. <laughs> I know. That's what I mean. Her hair would be okay. wispier. Oh, Yeah. It wouldn't I, just end with, like, a solid block like that. Well, maybe it's... It, like yeah. a seam. Hair doesn't yeah, end in, like, like, a... You know what's weird is that her beard looks kind of like a loose paper, too. <laughs> okay, well, that did not look like a beard. <laughs> uh, it could. Is that her We're wand looking... that's behind her ear? Yeah. yeah, and that is something that's mentioned in the chapter, so... It's a very, very long wand. Yeah, it's, like, the size of her leg. <laughs> But again, she has really small legs. It's def- it's only about half the size of her super large torso. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, it's not. I would say this is not one of Mary Grandpre's worst. <laughs> her eyes are very wide set. Yeah. She has a very, like, flat face. <laughs> <laughs> kind of looks like it got, like, pushed in, like, and, like, stretched. <laughs> Okay, again, this is actually, I, I honestly never really had that much to say about this chapter art before. It's probably one of, like, her least offensive, not offensive. It, it's just, it's fine, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. It, it's only once you start analyzing yeah. it you start noticing some of these uh, possible kind of, missteps. Kind of uh, a metaphor for life in general. That yeah, seems true. to be the case with much art. Okay, uh, so let's jump into when we actually meet Luna. Uh, Ginny introduces us to her. Uh, actually, before we've even met her, she says it's only Luna, only Looney Lovegood in there. So we do learn the Looney name from Ginny. Yeah, and it's interesting because I do think like it's. I've always kind of questioned how Harry doesn't know who Luna Lovegood is before this, but. Um, you know, I guess she's not in his grade. So it makes sense that Ginny knows her and that the, the other three don't. But you would think like such a big personality that Harry would have at least seen her before. Yeah, I mean, Harry, this just confirms like Harry kind of is in his own little world. Like the fact that we don't see like we were talking about like that that's not just the trio all the time. That's actually kind of surprising considering that Harry seems to think of his world as just the trio sometimes. Right. Um, once he knows somebody's name, I guess he's more likely to know who they are. Um but it's always been like this is kind of an aside, but it's always been kind of funny to me that Harry knows Anthony Goldstein, Michael Corner, and Terry Boots' names when he's like he's pretty sure they're that their three names were these three names. And I'm like, really, Harry? You're the type that's gonna know people's names. I, I don't think you are. But yeah, Luna seems to be something that Neville's noticed before because he's like doesn't want to disturb her, uh, and <laughs> like that's why he doesn't want to go into the compartment. But. Uh, Luna does, I mean, I mean, Ginny does say, um, does call her Looney, but she does say she's all right. Um, so she's kind of, I think maybe at this point they're not friends. We talked about this in the Ginny character study, but Ginny's not necessarily being like anti-Luna. She just uh, is still kind of contributing to like how other people think of her. Yeah, I mean, I think like the, it's also realistic to think that Ginny would probably just call her the name everybody calls her. Um, so it's not really the nicest look from Ginny, but yeah, she's not being like openly mean. She's just kind of like going along with the crowd's opinion on her. Yeah. I think that's more it. Like that's just how she knows her because that's what everybody calls her. Um, but yeah, so we have some funny moments in this train compartment. Uh, obviously we have the introductions uh, where Luna's just like, you're Harry Potter. 
Um, You're Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know who you are about Neville. <laughs> <laughs> Neville, I'm nobody. <laughs> Neville's probably yeah. Neville definitely adds a lot to this scene. He's pretty funny. Um, and yeah, Ginny is being nice. She's like sticking up for Neville. And no, you're not. Right. And she introduces him. She's um, like, you're not nobody. You're my Yule Ball date. Yeah. Don't <laughs> don't forget we had a, a one wild night of passion <laughs> on the dance floor. Exactly. Um. Yeah. And then Neville's kind of cracking me up in this scene because he doesn't really seem interested at all in talking to Luna, but he really wants to talk to Harry because he has his <laughs> nebulous bimbletonia. Uh, so he's just like, guess what I got for my birthday? <laughs> he breaks out the nebulous bimbletonia. Luna's just kind of there for this. Um, she does kind of seem to be watching um, and her magazine gets splattered with the pus, but it doesn't, or sorry, the stink sap, but she doesn't seem to... <laughs> The really pus Finnegan, collect the pus. Pus, pus Finnegan, pus. <laughs> um, yeah, but this is a funny scene, obviously, but Luna's not really in it that much. I mean, she's there, but she doesn't seem to really have a strong reaction. Uh, but she is the one who catches Trevor in the midst of all this, so that's kind of nice. Yeah, Neville shouldn't be so quick to dismiss her. Right. But then Ron and Hermione come in and uh, this is going to be a kind of funny scene with Luna too, because she uh, it's kind of like Neville. Ron's not really paying Luna any attention, but he just starts plowing on with his story um, and he's making fun of Crab and Goyle and saying he's going to give them punishments and stuff. Um, and then he has this great stinger where he says, or sorry, zinger, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I must not look like a baboon's backside. And then <laughs> Uh, Luna lets out a scream of mirth that causes Hedwig to wake up uh, and then she laughs so hard that her magazine slipped out of her grasp slid down her legs and onto the floor and her eyes start swimming with tears um, yeah and I mean I feel like this is somebody that I would love to hang out with I love when people have a strong reaction to laughing at my dumb jokes <laughs> same <laughs> obviously um, we both love that that's why we have a podcast <laughs> But I feel like, um, yeah, Luna here, it's clear, it's clear that she has, I mean, I would assume that she's met Crab and Goyle or is familiar with them. So they've probably been mean to her in the past. So yeah. th that's probably why she gets such a kick out of this. Otherwise, I don't, I mean, unless she just thinks the term baboon's backside is funny. Well, like, it is pretty hilarious, you have to admit. Because, I mean, she does later on just say, baboon's backside, she <laughs> choked, holding her ribs. <laughs> No, I have to think that she probably does know Crab and Goyle because the, otherwise this isn't really consistent with Luna's character because it's like making fun of somebody. I feel like she doesn't really like that kind of humor unless it's somebody who like does deserve it. So I feel like if Crab and Goyle, like if she didn't know them, she would probably not really be that amused by yeah, a joke like this. That's what I'm assuming too. Yeah, so... Um, she's very amused. Now, Ron, like, is really not used to a reaction like this uh, because he's actually not really that much of a comedian, contrary like to what the when, movies would like you to think. This is like when Paul tells a joke that I actually laugh really hard at. <laughs> right. He's like, you think I'm funny? Occasionally, uh, like, very, very seldomly, Paul will tell a joke and I'll be in stitches over it. And then he's like, he loves it, but he's kind of confused. Yeah, he's like, you're, you're seriously laughing at something. He's like, I'm, wow, not you actually think right I'm now? funny? <laughs> I'm like, sometimes, yeah, very occasionally. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, Ron's just like, are you taking the Mickey? 
Uh, is that what Paul says to you? I I truly don't know what that means. <laughs> it's an expression. It's just like, are you going? Are you, are you making? It? I think it means, are you making fun of me? To, no, no, no. Yeah, no, because it's, because it's to take the Mickey out of someone is like to make fun of them. I think. No, I think it means, are you losing it? I think it means, are you making fun of me? Okay, well, I guess you're right. Take the Mickey out of someone is to make fun of someone, but. Are you taking the Mickey? Uh, I mean, I, I think guess, Ron. But... I think Ron's confused and thinks Luna's mocking him by laughing that hard. Are you taking the Mickey? Meaning, uh, yeah, you're right. Are you making fun of me? Yeah. So, kind of. I mean, it took me a second because I didn't immediately know what that meant. I really I... thought it meant just like, are you are you going crazy? Are you taking acid? Have you gone <laughs> mad? Yeah, <laughs> the Mickey is another word for acid. Yeah. Um, no. Are you high? Is that what you thought it meant? No, I mean, I thought it just meant, like, are you okay? Like, you, you seem like you're off your rocker. Yeah. Well, one of these Britishisms, if this would have been in the first book, it would have been translated for us. Yeah. Are you making fun of me? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, okay, that, that actually adds a little bit of endearment to Ron there, because it's kind it, of... It explains why he's so baffled and, like, just staring at her. Right, think... well, and he's... He's actually frowning at her when he says that. Yeah. He's so used to anytime anybody's laughing at him, it's actually <laughs> laughing at again. him and making fun of it. Yeah, it is. Exactly. <laughs> oh, now I'm having a good laugh about that. <laughs> yeah, I noticed. Um, yeah, but she doesn't actually confirm whether she is taking the Mickey because she just says, Baboon's well, backside. Yeah, I think she truly, like, I mean, I think we know that she's not making fun of him. She's... She really, really thinks this is funny. And I think it is confirmed by her just like Although to laugh at that. Everybody else in the room is taking the Mickey because it says they were all now laughing at the expression on Ron's face. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, so then Harry turns to looking at the quibbler and um, he's very intrigued by the, li- the, the article, Serious Black as He's Painted, Notorious Mass Murderer or Illicit Singing Sensation. <laughs> Um, so don't worry uh one of these days we'll get to the uh doris perkis character study (laughs) yeah or the sturgis podmore or wait yeah stubby boardman Boardman. i know i always get them mixed up too (laughs) stubby boardman yeah um no stubby boardman the lead singer of the popular singing group the hobgoblins i bet there's a harry potter podcast called the hobgoblins probably at this point yeah yeah um if not this is your notice to go create one i think that (laughs) this is speaking to the listeners this is your sign Um, this is your sign the world has been urging you to create uh, a podcast you've been just looking for the name this is your sign to create a podcast called the hobgoblins (laughs) (laughs) no um this i we didn't ever award the real weirdo to doris perkis i think i probably fought for it but we kind of had to give it to luna lovegood in this chapter because yeah it's hard when it's hard to fight that doris perkis is pretty awesome though she is. Uh, anybody named Doris in the Harry Potter series, Doris <laughs> Perkis and Doris Crockford. We've got. Are you more of a Crockford or a Perkis, Alice? Um, I think I'm probably more of a Crockford. <laughs> yeah, I would say I'm kind of more Crockford adjacent too. But I don't really fangirl like this the way Doris Perkis does. I'm not really one for conspiracy theories. I'm more of the like nosy gossip, I guess, that Doris Crockford is. Um. Yeah, I don't no. know. I, I don't. To be honest, I don't. I don't really relate to either of 
<laughs> no, I don't either. <laughs> but I think if you're, if you're, which type of fan are you? Are you the type who wants to know all the information or are you the type to spread a conspiracy? Uh, right, I would probably be I'm... more on the Crockford side. Yeah, me too. Uh, but I, I know there's some Perkuses out there. There are definitely some Perkuses listening. <laughs> uh, Perkuses, so... show yourselves. Okay, this is your side to reveal yourself <laughs> as a Perkus. <laughs> uh, so yeah, then Harry's like flipping through the magazine and he realizes that there was an article um, that was about ancient runes. So that's why Luna had been reading it upside down. Um, because if you read it upside down, it would reveal a spell to make your enemy's ears turn into kumquats. Very cool. But yeah, then Hermione uh, kind of draws the line in the sand because she scathingly says the quibbler's rubbish everyone knows that and then luna uh comes in and her voice has suddenly lost its dreamy quality and says that her father's the editor so this kind of does uh create a rift between luna and hermione that doesn't really go away for a while yeah and i mean this is the scene where i can relate to hermione because i feel like (laughs) i am likely to make a judgy statement like that and then realize that there's somebody in the room that that's going to offend like that I'm I'm less likely to do that now than I used to be right I used to do this kind of thing a lot more uh it's very similar to I think I've told the story before about the Subaru pickup um (laughs) but I'll tell it again um Alice and I were Subaru I yeah. know it was a pickup. No, it's, but... it's a Subaru. That's what makes it so ugly. Um, no, I like Subarus in general, but Subaru pickup, it's literally like just looks like an Outback. It's called a Subaru. Uh, I used to know it. Um, Subaru, uh, Subaru Baja. That's right. Yeah, so, it just it doesn't have like, you know, it's just open in the back. Right. It's not the size of a normal pickup truck. I'm like, I mean, it's, it's probably built a lot like more... an Outback. Yeah. Right. Most so, people listening are like, yeah, we know what that is. Okay. Anyway, Actually, they're very uncommon. Also, I've told it, yeah, they don't make them. They don't make them anymore for good reason. Uh, <laughs> I think I've told this story before, but it's very similar. It's, Alice and I were going out to lunch with a um, older couple from our church who just offered to take us out to lunch after church one day, which tended to happen when we were uh, growing up, and. Um, we were walking out they to the parking lot. They were super nice. Like, yeah, they were yeah, really right. funny and stuff. We liked right. going out with them. Right. Um, and we were walking out to the parking lot, and I had pointed out those cars to Alice before, like, because I, I used to, like, notice cars a lot more than I do now, but I was like, oh, there's one of those Subaru pickups. Aren't those ugly? Like, <laughs> and it was also bright yellow. Yeah, um, it was, like, mustard yellow. Yeah. And Alice is like, oh, yeah, those are so ugly. <laughs> like, why would anybody drive a car like that? And then like the man like clicked this fall but it was like beep beep <laughs> it's like oh that's the car we're about to get in for lunch no what happened what happened was you made those comments then we went to lunch we walked to lunch and then we came back and we went into the church and we saw them getting into their pickup no 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 we no we were going out to lunch with them and we yeah were, we did I, we went to naked noodle right which we don't have to drive to from the church no, but okay, yeah, right. We didn't get into the car, but like we were, we were about to go to lunch with them, and I made the point about the car. Okay, you're yes. right. You're right. Yeah, but we we found out after the fact that that was their car. That it was like right. Oh. Yeah, that was yeah. really embarrassing. And both of us definitely. I mean, you did start it, but I definitely piled on because <laughs> I hated those cars too. And sorry to any listeners who might right. drive one of those. Right. Well, they Not don't make my them anymore. Aesthetic. I mean, honestly, like it. Even they are the small a car, right? Even the like silver is pretty ugly looking. But yeah. <laughs> and anyway, I like 
we were trying, we like had a conversation afterwards. Where we were like, do you think that they like, is there any chance they didn't know what car we were talking about? Or like, no, cause we said that yellow color and we said like, <laughs> why would somebody was, make, yeah. like, there was no chance that they didn't know. But anyway, that was very, um, very cringy. <laughs> very similar to the, the quip was rubbish. Everyone knows that. <laughs> yeah. Another conversation that you have to be careful in is like, if you're ever discussing names, Oh, um, yeah, totally. Because you can definitely run into situations where people either have, like, a relative named that or they that's one of their favorite names or something. Right. So, because I love to discuss names and talk about ones that I think are dumb, but I have learned to be kind of guarded with it. Yeah, me too. Because people will be like, oh, I think that uh, Hudley is a great name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Or they're like, oh, that was actually, that's actually my niece's name is Hudley. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're like, I met somebody named Hudley. And they're like, oh, that's cute. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm telling this story. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, Hermione is still at the age where she's definitely list- learning that lesson more. Um, and this is probably a moment that will live in her mind forever. Right. I agreed. Um, so that that brings us back to this discussion. Uh, Hermione, like, tries to cover. She's like, it's got some interesting. Uh, it's quite. And I mean, Luna's like, of, I'll take it back. Thank you. <laughs> part of this is Hermione's fault, though, because, like, she knew Luna was reading it. So there's no, right. like, that was a sign to her that Luna enjoys it. So maybe wait until later to say right. that. And has she never read Wizarding Journalism, a history? <laughs> How does she not know that Xenophilius Lovegood is the right. editor? Right. Well, clearly, her, I don't think Hermione's probably ever touched a copy of the Quibbler before. No. Well, I am also, I mean, spoiler alert for later in this podcast, but I'm very excited to be talking about Xenophilius' stance on uh, workers' rights. <laughs> because, uh, <laughs> honestly, uh, there's parts about this publication that I would describe as rubbish, let's be honest. <laughs> so... But that's not, we don't want to put the cart before the horse or cart before the festival, if you don't. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, not much else from Luna on the Hogwarts Express, but um, she does offer to carry Pigwidgeon because uh, Ron and Hermione leave uh, Crookshanks and Pigwidgeon behind when they go to get dressed or go to uh, supervise the everybody as prefects. So Harry's responsible for carrying three animals. <laughs> so Luna very kindly offers to carry Pigwidgeon. To carry the tiniest one, yeah. Right, <laughs> Very nice of you, Luna. True. Um, but it's also, I do like this moment because then when, when Ron comes back and he's like, I haven't got Pig yet. Um, and uh, Luna's like, here's Pigwitch and he's a sweet little owl, isn't he? And Ron, uh, yeah, he's all right. Okay, Ron. Yeah, we get it. You're a man. Yeah, Ron, you're a tough old boy. Yeah, you can't say anything cute about your pet. Um, but I just like Luna. Luna does have a soft spot for animals. She saved Trevor in the midst of the Mimbulus Mimbletonia. She held on to the sweet little pigwidgeon here. Yeah, she's a she's a regular old Hagrid. Right. I'm surprised she doesn't have a pet herself, though. Well, I am too. I think, yeah, maybe she's just too busy with, you know, foraging in nature. <laughs> does she do that much foraging? <laughs> well, she's... You know, harvesting freshwater plimpies and all that stuff. Well, yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised she doesn't have a, a pet plimpy that she carries around in a bowl. 
I'm, so, I'm glad that you didn't say that before the movie was out because then I think word would have gotten back to the directors and right, they would have thought that right. was a great idea. <laughs> that is the influence our podcast has. You're right. Mm-hmm, exactly. Uh, but back to what's happening here. Uh, the last moment we get from Luda in this chapter is kind of the most intriguing because uh, Harry's noticing the the weird horse things. Um, and then Luna says, uh, you're not going mad or anything. You're just as sane as I am because she sees them too. So. Very reassuring to Harry. Yeah, right. Uh, well, not altogether reassured. Uh, so that's that's kind of the interesting mystery of this book is what are those weird horse things? Well, it's going to be solved pretty soon here. <laughs> right, well. But, yeah, but I think, you know, the fact that it's Luna that confirms it's not Neville, you know, who I know Harry kind of looks down on Neville, but at least he doesn't think Neville's crazy, but he is a little bit concerned about Luna's like mental state. And then she's the only other person in this moment who says she can see them. And Harry's like, uh, yeah, exactly. Especially since Harry is having like weird visions and stuff in this book. So he's definitely like starting to feel like he's taking the Mickey. What I thought meant taking the Mickey. (laughs) Exactly. Um, so yeah, then we have one more moment of, of, uh, we have one more moment of Luna when we get to Hogwarts, uh, where that grubbly plank woman, uh, you mean that grubbly plank queen, Ginny, is there. Yeah, Ginny, don't talk about her that way. Right. Wilhelquina is there, and, (laughs) um, Luna says she'll be quite glad if Hagrid has left. He isn't a very good teacher, is he? (laughs) Now there's, there's Luna's, like, um, kind of getting back at everybody for the quibbler con Hermione's not there but Luna also kind of puts her foot in her mouth on this one right but she doesn't care at all that she does because she's she's very like what well, says unfazed but she- oh I guess Hermione <laughs> is there yeah she just doesn't re- she's not angry right away like right. Very <laughs> no, she she says we think he's a bit of a joke in Ravenclaw um that, that line has always been interesting to me because it does imply that Luna is has some sort of solidarity with the other Ravenclaws um, that she seems to like have like she does have a sort of a group right or at least she's aware of what the kind of group consensus is yeah exactly um, you've got a so, rubbish sense of humor then Ron snap uh, well Ron she was just laughing really hard at you right joke right because I guess I guess you don't think you're funny then because the things she thinks is funny are this and you so (laughs) um but yeah so we're not going to get another luna scene for a bit we get to see um her come up to him after a bunch of people have been doubting harry and harry's starting to learn that like the majority of or it seems like the tide has turned on supporting him um luna comes up to him to announce that um she believes everything that um he's saying and that she uh uh, believes that he's back that you know that he's back um you know who is back so she does have radish radish earrings which parvati and lavender are making fun of and these have definitely become part of the luna lore like yeah she's not every, always wearing these but she is in the I movies every time you see a piece of fan art she's wearing them and she's always yeah. wearing them in the movies um also like we don't actually know for certain that they are radishes. They says it looked like a pair of orange radishes. So it could be something else. Maybe these are freshwater plimpies. Uh, maybe they're, uh, what's it called? Things to ward off nargles. Yeah. But anyways, I just wanted to mention that it doesn't actually say she's wearing radish earrings and they are supposed to be orange. Um, but 
you know, that's fine. It, right. Not uh, that big of a deal. It just it's kind of a little point. Yeah, it is an important thing. Um, and so that's just a quick moment, but it is helpful, I guess, like Harry does feel like happy to have somebody on his side. Also, Luna's like logic and reasoning ability doesn't seem very high for someone in Ravenclaw because she's like, but people used to believe there was no such thing as the blibbering humdinger or the crumplehorn snorkack. And Hermione, well, they were right, weren't they? <laughs> um, yeah, and then Harry gets a little mad at Hermione for offending the only people who believes him. Right, and then Hermione is so rude. Uh, do you mind? Or, oh, for heaven's sake, Harry, you can do better than her. <laughs> Okay, Hermione. Well, Hermione's, yeah, doing, she's, she's probably the biggest Luna doubter for the longest time. Right. Well, then Ernie steps in. It's not only weirdos that support you. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Ernie, because you're so normal. Right. (laughs) Um, Okay, so then uh, we're going to jump to the hogshead. Luna wanders in. Um, She does... uh, Harry thinks she looks like she might be there on accident, but obviously she's not because um, she's going to be somebody who's pretty vocally against the ministry and pro uh, Harry throughout the book. And he's, it's also interesting because like, she's already made it very clear. She believes him. So I right. kind of, kind of rude of Harry to assume that she looks like she, she doesn't know where she is or whatever, but I guess it's just a reminder that she's kooky. She's, she's a kooky one. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, she also speaks up in the middle of the uh, meeting, says that it makes sense that Cornelius Fudge believes that Dumbledore is building an army because he has his own army of heliopaths. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a fun, I, this is a very funny like comic relief scene in the middle of th- this meeting. Um, I mean, actually, the whole meeting is pretty funny, actually. Yeah, right. But, yeah, <laughs> Would like you like l- us to clean out your ears for you. <laughs> and Zacharias Smith, yeah, um, but. Yeah, Luna definitely does provide a moment of levity for Harry, I think. And, right. Yeah. Uh, and Hermione's pretty rude, but Luna actually kind of gets her back, says, just because you're so narrow-minded that you need to have everything shoved under your nose before you. And then Ginny comes right in with a real singer. <laughs> hem, hem. Uh, you had to be there. Let's put that <laughs> Okay, um, so then we're going to jump to the first DA meeting. Um, not much Luna content here, but she is partners with Justin Finch Fletchley, so cool. Um, <laughs> so cool. And then we also get her speaking up to say that her father is very supportive of any anti-ministry action uh, because of all the goblins Fudge has assassinated. <laughs> Yeah. She also does mention the Department of Mysteries where he says he uses that or she says that Fudge uses the Department of Mysteries to develop terrible poisons which he feeds secretly to anybody who disagrees with him. Yeah, she's got a lot of conspiracy theories. I I would actually be curious to know and I don't think we'll ever have a way to <laughs> if any of this was maybe re- based in reality in any way. Let's put it this way. I think Luna's a Perkus. Well, I think she is a bit of a Perkus. Well, yeah, the <laughs> The Perkis, uh, Doris Perkis was featured in her father's magazine. Yeah, so. the, the Perkis uh, Quibbler Reader Venn Diagram is a circle. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, a couple more Luna moments. Uh, we have the chapter, The Lion and the Serpent. She is uh, featured in the chapter art here, so probably important that we talk about this one. I like this chapter art. I do too, and I think, well, A, her hair is 
doesn't look like a vest anymore. Well, we don't have a newspaper in front of it to block the to show that it's continuation of what's on top of her head. And that was what was confusing it, for you. No, it also look at how the hair ends. It doesn't end in a straight flat line. It ends in waves, like it hair looks is supposed to look. Did it end in? I guess okay. I I guess you're right. So that's part of it too. But yes, it is. Is she? Luna is, but she does look like you can tell it's that same girl. So that's good. I'm glad Mary Grandpre is consistent enough that you can see who this is. Yeah, I guess you're right. That um, lion head is pretty extreme. Yeah, I feel like she would topple over with that on her head unless <laughs> it's, it's magic, Martha. It's magically enhanced to be a lot lighter than it would be if it was not magic. Exactly. Yeah, so that's why she's the chapter art because she's wearing this Gryffindor headpiece uh, to to show that she's supporting uh, Gryffindor. This does, I think, show uh, how talented of a witch she is because she's uh, she's the one who's created this and she causes it to be able to roar. Uh, she said she wanted to have it chewing up a serpent to represent Slytherin, and, <laughs> but the the reason she didn't do that was not because it was too hard to do, but because she didn't have enough time. So I do like that this shows like she's very creative and um, talented. Yeah, for sure. Um, and not just not just a kook. Like, she actually is um, in Ravenclaw for more than just having weird theories. She's actually a very, uh, you know, skilled witch. Yeah, exactly. Um, next scene with Luna is another brief one. She's the first to arrive at the last DA meeting before Christmas. And she points at well she first of all she likes the decorations that Dobby did with the very hairy Christmas um, <laughs> and then she points out the mistletoe um, and says good thinking it's often infested with nargles but pretty brief moment with her but that actually I mean she's kind of the best wing woman because that's the There's line the that line Harry's, Harry's gonna right, use later right exactly yeah um, and that, that that line you if you know you know I K Y K Y. Yeah, exactly. Then I said it backward again. I Y K Y K. If if no you, no you. If you know you, then you know. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so that's another brief moment with Luna. Um, so now we're gonna jump to the kind of more bigger moment with Luna before we get to the ministry, which is going to be the Quibbler interview. Um, and this is a pretty funny description because Harry has no idea what Hermione has planned, kind of we talked about this, but like sort of unnecessary uh, mystery from Hermione, like why she couldn't just tell him what was going on. I'm not exactly sure, except for for the drama. Uh, so well, I he's, think he's... I think it was kind of supposed to be like Harry wouldn't have showed if he had known it was for an interview. Well, okay, I guess you're right. Um, but Hermione's sitting there with the unlikeliest pair of drinking mates he could have ever imagined. Um, and it was uh, Luna Lovegood and none other than the than Rita Skeeter. I, I'm sorry, Rita Skeeter, as Tim would say. Rita um, Skeeter. And I, I still don't actually think Tim understands that we're making fun of him when we say that. No, he just thinks that's her name. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, one of Harry's least favorite people on the planet. Right. <laughs> um, a very nice, charming introduction for, for Rita. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a lot of this is about Rita, so it's not like as much focused on Luna, um, but Luna is the one who set this up. Yes. Um, so yeah, Luna's not doesn't say a whole ton in this interview. Or I guess we actually don't even see the interview; we just see the lead up to the interview. Um, but we do have a pretty funny uh, interaction between Rita and Luna when Rita says something about um, 
the Daily Prophet and Luna says, like, her dad thinks it's an awful paper. And Rita, I'm guessing your father runs some stupid little village newsletter. 25 ways to mingle with muggles and the dates of the next bring and fly sale. Right. And then uh, Luna says that he runs the Quibbler and Rita snorts so loudly. The thing is, that kind of weirds me out about this is that, like, we know that Rita does not exactly report accurate information herself. So, like, right. why is she so anti-quibbler? Well, I think it's like she she reports on uh, real things that are happening in an, an inaccurate way, uh, whereas the quibbler reports on inaccurate right. things in a serious way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of the, the inverse of what Rita does. That's true. Um. But yeah, then Luna, well, Hermione, Hermione says that uh, Luna's father is going to be uh, taking Harry's inter- taking Harry's interview. Uh, and this is where we get into learning a bit about Xenophilius <laughs> because Luna, I don't think Daddy exactly pays people to write for the magazine. They do it because it's an honor, and of course, to see their names in print. Wow, what? A, uh, okay, first of all, what a goal to see your name in print, <laughs> right? Uh, and how much does Xenophilius make? I'm curious to know because <laughs> that seems a little bit of a scam. <laughs> yeah, Xenophilius is about to have the Department of Labor called on him. Because I'm sorry, I just partially because we know who Xenophilius is now that we've read the fifth, the seventh book. Uh, I think he's not exactly uh, totally honest about this because he's probably making a good amount of money to himself. He's not just honored to see his name in print. Right. This is, you know, this is the same as, you know, they're, they're, they'll just be happy to volunteer and have a piece of pizza. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Xenophilius is not the champion of the worker. No, I don't love that. Um, but yeah, she. We need these writers to form a union. Yeah. So she does. Uh, definitely, she does say, "Daddy will be pleased." About- yeah, because he's gonna get a free story and make a <laughs> ton of money. Right. So fire away, then Rita. <laughs> fire away, then Rita said Hermione serenely, finishing Fish. fishing a cherry out of the bottom of her glass. I hate when she's fishing a cherry out of the bottom. Of her I wonder. Glass. I'm wondering what she's fishing it with. I hope not just her a, hand. No, a straw. I'm guessing. Can you or get a umbrella. cherry with a straw? Yeah, I was just like underneath the ice, you know, like. I suppose. I've done this before. Her, like you Hermione have a straw being so serene. Fire away, then, Rita. Hermione, Hermione Fire is... away. Well, this is your chance to raise the tone a bit, a bit, isn't it? Luna says her father's quite happy to take Harry's interview. Hermione is, like, living her best life when she gets oh. to blackmail Rita. Oh, she loves her. She loves doing this. Um, I don't think I could ever be, like, cool enough to, to act like that. <laughs> I don't think Hermione's cool enough to act like that. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I feel like this is Hermione, like, passing somebody a 20 as she's, like, asking to be seated she's in like, a more preferable section or we something. We would really appreciate it if you could check whether there's any available tables again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank again, you for your discretion. I could never personally pull off. Or want to, because I would, like, have too much, like, self-awareness to want to do that. It's just really <laughs> awkward. Uh, thank you for your efficiency. <laughs> so dumb. Imagine fire Hermione. away then, Rita. Fire away then, Rita. 
Okay. Um, so then uh, we have the follow-up from the interview. Uh, first of all, Luna's not sure when it's going to be published because uh, her father's expecting a lovely long article on recent sightings of Krumpelhoed Snorkax, and that's a very important story. As much uh, as we say that the the love goods must be smart, I don't think that <laughs> Xenophilius is really like... I, I think having... We don't know that he was a Ravenclaw. He, I'm thinking he was either Slytherin or Hufflepuff. Probably Slytherin with his uh, schemeful ways. Right. <laughs> like, the and the miserly He's... ways. Oh, yeah, definitely. A Hufflepuff would, would pay their workers, let's put it that way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he exactly pays them. They do it because it's an honor, of course. Yeah, right. They're just happy to be there. Happy to see their names in print. What an honor. <laughs> yeah, in, in the prestigious magazine. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, no. So, yeah, I don't necessarily think that when I say the love goods are smart, I'm really just talking about Luna. We know that her mother was very talented. That's true. She was kind of a scientist, right? Yeah, well, did a lot of experiments. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, then... Uh, a few pages later, we actually get the article print being printed. Harry gets a bunch of mail, and Luna meanders her way over to the table, and she's like, it's good, isn't it? Uh, and she's she actually had to ask Dad to send him a free copy. That's why Harry got this. Uh, so Wow, I can't believe that Xenophilius had the budget to allow... I wonder if the people who write the, write the paper, oh, articles actually not. get a free copy. <laughs> well, it's just an honor to have their name in print. They, can, they need to buy that so they can right. really cherish well, it. Unless, unless uh, Daddy's little girl asks for him to send an article to them <laughs> or send a copy to them. Right. So, yeah, then Harry sees the article. Luna doesn't really say too much more, um, but a few pages later again, she does say that it's actually sold out and he's going to be reprinting. He can't believe it. He says people seem even more interested in this than the Crumplehorn Snorkax. Again, the pulse on what people are interested in. <laughs> Yeah, right. That does that does seem to be a skill that is necessary to successfully run a magazine, um, and yet Xenophilius does not seem to possess that skill at all. Yeah, I mean, you have to think that there are Quibbler readers, so I guess there's he's found his niche. I think, but I think that this is also like he's realizing he could he could expand to a broader audience if he covered a little bit more relevant things. But right. I guess he's not a sellout, uh, or is he? I guess not. Or, or do I? Uh, <laughs> so, uh, final mention of Luna before we actually go into the whole Ministry of Magic uh, sequence uh, is going to be her other hat that she wears. Kind of under underreported. She does support Ravenclaw in the Gryffindor versus Ravenclaw game, and she's wearing a giant eagle. Where's our be... illustration of that, Mary Grandprey? Right. It does say it seems to be a live eagle, so I'm not really sure is it, like... Is, what how they, does she get it to stay? Don't alert PETA to that one. Right. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. It doesn't say, like, stuff. Not that it would be any more humane to have it be stuff. But, well, like, what do you mean, the live eagle? Well, but where did she, like, how is it? I, I'm confused. Yeah, hopefully it's just a very realistic-looking um, creation that she's made. Well, Gab's Law of Elemental Transfiguration says you can only duplicate. You can't create out of nowhere. <laughs> That's true. I guess unless she transformed well, a, don't a bother mouse increasing into this. this. <laughs> she probably transfigured a mouse from into this. 
I mean, I'm just saying, like, maybe she, I don't mean that she transformed something. I mean, she, like, was able to make something look like a very realistic, real, like, like that it was real and it's not actually real. Well, isn't that what transfiguration is? Okay. There's other ways probably that she could have done it. Okay. Okay. You're right. <laughs> I was just saying, like, Either you just way. wanted to bring up Gab's Law, we get Yeah, it. you know I did. Yeah. Um, okay, so before we actually get to the whole ministry uh, sequence, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, and then we'll be back. So Luna kind of ends up involved with all of this by coincidence a little bit. Not quite as much coincidence as Neville, but Luna and Ginny are, like, I guess, hanging out, and they hear Harry yelling and storming um, about how Ron and Hermione are trying to prevent Harry from going to the ministry, and they basically hear the noise and decide to walk in. And um, Harry, like, at this point in in the book, like, Harry's very, does not really have a friendship with Luna. Like, he's very anti-Luna as far as the way he seems to react to her and in this scene especially all the scenes leading up to the going to the ministry he's like pretty rude to her not really necessarily to her face there's a couple moments in this scene but really it's mostly just like in his head he's just like really irritated by Luna and he's like the last thing on earth he needed was a conversation with Luna <laughs> right exactly um so Ginny says like what are you yelling about Harry never you mind um, <laughs> Ginny I was only wondering whether I could help and Harry well you can't but Luna you're being rather rude you know and Harry swore and turned away <laughs> what did he swear like I, that's always been weird to me like like what did what exactly like I know it's a family friendly show, but what did he like maybe GD it? I d I don't know. Uh maybe. I feel like he could have just said like just like cursed, you know. I guess. But like he's not <laughs> cursing at her, right? He didn't say like No, like F, F off. Bugger off. <laughs> Bugger off. The last thing I want on this earth is a conversation with you, bugger. Exactly. <laughs> Bloody hell. Bloody hell, Luna. <laughs> Who knows? Okay, well, anytime. I mean, it's kind of like when Ron made an obscene head gesture. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Luna is there again and uh, Her- Hermione suggests that the two of them her-, her and Ginny could be lookouts while they use Umbridge's fire to go try to see if Sirius is at headquarters uh, so Luna agrees to do that um, and she's she's like the Department of Mysteries how are you going to get there uh, now she's actually going to be later the-, the person who comes up with the idea to fly on Thestrals so I wonder if she started cooking up that idea now when she hears the idea or hears the like suggestion that that's where they're going well I got the sense that she came up with that idea when she saw the Thestrals arriving but we'll mm, when we get to that flying in well well yeah we'll get to it but I just it's interesting that she does start thinking about how how on earth could we get to the Department of Mysteries yeah. um, pretty early on um so yeah Ginny comes up with her great cover story that she's going to warn people not to go down the corridor because someone's let off a load of garroting gas <laughs> So don't don't go down there or else you'll die. Wanna... <laughs> Funny. <laughs> right. We talked about that a lot on our Ginny character study. What a fun prank. Um, <laughs> so then uh, a few, uh, a little bit later after Harry's been pulled out of the fire, uh, the inquisitorial squad has all been uh, on the hunt and they were able to capture Ginny Luna and to Harry's utter bewilderment, Neville. Uh, and kind of, kind of, uh, 
Luna's not really super plussed by this, I guess. Uh, she's, or as a normal normal way to say it would be, she's utterly nonplussed uh, because we see Ginny like stamping on the feet of, uh, of her captor. And then Luna's just uh, gazing vaguely out of the window as though rather <laughs> bored by the proceedings. <laughs> oh, Luna. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that is kind of sums up our, our Gryffindor versus our Ravenclaw here. <laughs> True. Well, because she's probably like, well, there's not really anything I could like. There's no point in doing anything here. Right. Um, uh, uh, resistance is futile. Exactly. Uh, uh, <laughs> it would just so... be a waste of my energy. I wouldn't want to waste my energy. Instead, I'd rather think about how to get to the Department of Mysteries. Exactly. Um, oh, bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not actually going to see her again until after they show up, after Hermione's whole uh, great plan. Although I guess we do see that even Luna looked a little bit surprised when Hermione says we were trying to speak to Professor Dumbledore. Right. Yeah, so because she's in she there. Thought, she's she thought like that they were a little bit intrigued. She thought they were trying to speak to Stubby Boardman. <laughs> exactly. Uh. <laughs> um, but yeah, so once they show up outside the forest, um, Luna, again, is really getting on Harry's nerves because um, she's like, well, we'll have to fly, won't we? And Harry's like, who's we? <laughs> well, actually, he says, we aren't doing anything. Yeah, Harry's whole... I think a lot of it, Luna's like not really doing anything. She's not being like super annoying or anything. Harry's just very like in his hero complex thing of like, please let me get rid of all of these spares so that I can just go and <laughs> take the, take on the dark Lord myself. Right. Kill the spares. Um, and yeah, then Luna's just like, well, of course we're going to come along because we're all the DA Neville's whole speech. Luna's on board with, um, and then Harry, well, we still don't know how to get there. Luna, I thought we'd settled that. We're flying. Um, and then she's like, uh, the crumplehorned Snorkak can't fly, but they can. And Hagrid says they're very good at finding places their riders are looking for. So do you think that Luna's actually started to come around on Hagrid as a teacher? Well, I think she probably understands that he knows his stuff, but she doesn't necessarily think he's a good teacher. Okay. I guess um, that makes sense. But maybe he's, I was thinking maybe she's uh, gotten a little bit more, like, she's learned something from him. Yeah, I mean, at least uh, at least she could respect that. Um, we did miss the line where Ron said, I suppose we're going to ride on the back of the khaki snorkel or whatever it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, um, and then Luna again, I think there are six of us, actually. And Harry, don't be stupid. We can't all go. Look, you three, you're not involved in this. <laughs> right when, right after Harry's like, well, how about Ron and I just go? <laughs> the four of you can uh, stay behind. <laughs> right. Um, and also, I just love how Harry, like, uh, you three aren't, you're not involved in this. And one of them's Ginny. Like, how right. is she not involved? Right. Um Harry's just on his high Thestral here. <laughs> yes, he sure is. Uh, but yeah, then the Thestrals all show up and um, Harry says, okay, pick one on, get on. Now, Luna's probably going to be kind of the, the hero of all this. She's not only the one to suggest the Thestrals, but she's able to really 
she looks really cool. She's sitting side saddle on her Thestral, and then she sidles, she slides obligingly from her Thestral to go and help Ron get up onto the Thestral, and Hermione and Ginny as well. And then when they get to the uh, Ministry guest entrance, entrance, she looks kind of like the Diggory's getting off her Thestral. <laughs> uh, she's uh, sliding, uh, dismounting smoothly off of her Thestral, and she's just very natural about it. I mean, being able to see them is a huge, <laughs> right. a huge advantage in this situation. Very true. But I mean, <laughs> Harry even doesn't do quite as well as Luna does. Uh, yeah, I, it's Harry's not going to be trying as hard, I guess. <laughs> he uh, he preferred a broomstick. Yeah, I'm not I'm not fussed or I'm not chuffed. I prefer brooms. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So once we get to the Department of Mysteries, Luna, I mean. I always have to say, like, I'm pretty impressed with Luna and Ginny and Neville in this whole sequence because this is their first, like, adventure that they've been on. Um, Like, Ron and Hermione at this point are, you know, seasoned professionals on the Harry adventures. And Luna and Ginny and Neville are all, like, very ready to, like, do whatever they're told or do whatever that seems necessary, you know? Like, Luna's... I, I don't know. It just seems like they're very... It comes naturally to them to be, like, along for this ride. Right, and Luna definitely, especially, I feel like, keeps such a cool head in a crisis. Like, I'm noticing that throughout this whole thing. Like, she's just still so serene and just kind of like, well, we're just here, you know? And it's like, she she doesn't seem to ever panic or... Definitely um, not. Yeah, she's very, like... And I I think that's probably why she's, like, the last one to get hurt in this group, uh, besides Harry. uh, Because she's just very uh, cool under pressure. Mm Mm-hmm. And she seems so, like, part of it probably is, too, I, I bet the Death Eaters did not prioritize her. She doesn't seem, True. like, on the on just looking at her, you would you would think that she would kind of be just like, oh, it's not a, it's a non-threatening, like, little girl. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so she does, before we actually see the Death Eaters, comments on she thinks that the brains are aquavirious maggots. Dad said the Ministry were breeding. And Hermione, no. Their brains. Okay, Hermione. <laughs> yeah, got it, Hermione. Um, and then the other Luna moment before the de- before the Death Eaters show up is she hears the people beyond the veil, um, just like Harry. Right, and I think that again, like that's a symbolic thing. We know she can see the Thestrals, and Harry can see the th- Thestrals. I'm kind of surprised Neville doesn't say anything about the voices. Yeah, I mean, I think Neville's kind of more we he's a little bit not as cool under pressure so he's probably not really wanting to make any kind of conversation right now right um but yeah we've got again harry feeling every time he feels a little bit crazy luna's there to be like you're not crazy you're just as sane you're just as, I same as i am yeah <laughs> um yeah so we don't see a, t- a whole lot of luna she's obviously there for all of this uh stuff with bellatrix and uh all Lucius and give me that prophecy um, but then when we finally see Luna next yeah <laughs> when we we've talked about it about a zillion times at the podcast I know. so I don't think we going have to... through the exact like rundown of all of these action scenes is never really that fun well and Luna's also not really there I mean she's there but yeah. she doesn't contribute until we see that uh, wow Ginny's... she contributes in a whole host of ways and the fact okay. that you're underestimating her she Okay, can we move on? Ginny is uh has her ankle probably broken and then Ron's gone a bit funny is what Luna says and it says that Luna's the only one who seems to be unhurt right now. 
Um, so Luna says that she'll help carry Ginny. She does stick her wand behind her ear for safekeeping. Um, pretty it's smart. Perfect place for it. Well, if she sticks it in her pocket, it might go off uh, with sparks, like when Harry <laughs> tries to clean it. Um, and yeah, then Ginny's like trying to say that she could help herself and Luna's still carrying her. And then all of a sudden she gets cursed and goes flying through the air, hits a desk, slid over, on, slid over its surface and onto the floor on the other side where she laid sprawled as still as Hermione. So that's the last we see of Luna until we get to the hospital wing. Right. And definitely scary when you see somebody go still. Like I was, I remember being uh, like, yeah. is she okay? Right. Um, but yeah, she, she is fine. Right. She actually is more fine than most of the rest of them. Cause she's, when we get to the hospital wing, she's uh, already recovered. Unlike some of them. She bounces back quick. Right. We, we just have uh, Hermione and Ron still in the hospital wing. And then Ginny's curled up at the foot of her body's bed um neville's in a chair and then luna um doesn't say where she's sitting it just says she's dropped in to visit and she's reading the magazine upside down i don't know if there's an art article about ancient runes anymore honestly like maybe luna's just trying to teach herself how to read upside down which would be pretty cool i mean i don't think it's impossible to read upside down oh no it's definitely i mean i've done it Many times. Well, I mean, honestly, teachers do it all the time, like elementary teachers, because when you do a read aloud of a book, oftentimes you do kind of have to read out, uh, read upside down. So true, bestie. Okay, I'm just saying that is a, <laughs> that is a skill that you can hone. I kind of yeah, so see I mean, that, yes. that being kind of what Luna's doing. It's like, I'm just going to practice doing this because I'm getting a little bit bored of reading the normal way. So exactly, yeah. see how it goes doing it this way. Good theory. Seems like something you or I would have done one summer in high school or middle school. Like probably more like middle school than high school, but um, I would hope maybe more like middle school, but maybe more like high school. <laughs> okay, well, Luna's there um, and just says like uh, she doesn't really say a ton in this scene, but um, she's part of the gang now. Yeah, she's she's been in like in, she's been initiated, um, and I think obviously we're supposed to kind of read between the lines that like going through this experience as a group has really bonded the six of them. Even right. Though there's, Harry, yeah. There's a lot more of like an unspoken understanding between the six of them now. Yeah. There are some things you can go through that it's impossible to go through without becoming friends afterwards and fighting off a brain at the department of mysteries is one of them. Uh, keeping, keeping the prophecy away from Lucius Malfoy is one of them. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, Luna does say that uh, Xenophilia sold the article to the Daily Prophet. Uh, another great contribution by Zeno. Uh, he got a very good price for it, too. So we're going to go on an expected expedition to Sweden this summer and see if we can catch a Crumplehorn Storkak. Uh, got a very good price and, and no, uh, no royalties. None of the money went to the other contributors. Exactly. Like Harry didn't get any. Not that Rita really should, but... Well, I mean, she did perform some labor, so... Does does uh, Xenophilius do all the printing himself? Because I feel like there's got to be some other people who contribute to the printing, uh, but maybe not. Yeah. Uh, but I do love Hermione. That sounds lovely. <laughs> yeah, she's trying. She's trying. Yeah, because uh, their relationship is a little bit evolved now too. Thankfully, because they're not always at odds anymore. Right. There's some things you can you can't go through without becoming friends afterward. That is so true. Uh, 
But yeah, I think the best rules to London is one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So I think probably the best scene with Luna now is coming up, um, which is going to be our last scene with her. Probably one of the ones that most people remember is that this is where you really start to see Luna as a more complex character. I mean, I think all of this other stuff has been contributing to knowing her, but I think that this is where you see a little bit more depth to Luna and not just like she's a kooky, uh, interesting person. Uh, Let's just put it this way. This scene is going to help her immensely in our character ranking at the end of the show. Rating. But, I mean, it will help her in the ranking. Okay, yes. Uh, I think we need to change the word in our outline because that's why you always say rankings. Because we're not matter, I say it because it irks you. Well, right. I bet that's why you do it. Uh-huh. Uh, no, but this is the scene that I'm going to be comparing the most to the movie because this is going to be the scene where Luna's looking for her lost possessions and she's the only one who's not at the feast, just like Harry, the only other one who's not at the feast. And in the movie, like, she just says, it's all good fun. People steal my stuff, but it's all good fun. I hope there's pudding at the feast. <laughs> and, and like, it's like... She just much, seems so much flatter. Yeah. And in this scene, she actually, she recognizes people do this because they're making fun of me. And they actually call me loony. And I don't, she doesn't say it's all good fun. She says, they, I think they think I'm a bit odd. Um and Harry actually feels like he's realizing he feels bad for Luna. And he's like, do you want help? And Luna's like, oh, they'll come back. They always do. It's just that I wanted to pack tonight. Yeah, she um, still has her serene quality, but in a more self-aware manner. And Right. And like, Because it's not all good fun, you know? Right. <laughs> like, it does impact her, even if she is, like, pretty chill about it um, and has learned how to cope with it, I guess. Um. Yeah, we do see that like this has this has impacted her life. Right. So I don't like the it's all good fun line clearly. Um I know I've said that, but it just is like that just really flattens like you said Luna's character because it seems like she just doesn't even understand or have any kind of like self-awareness to or to- like yeah, the emotion that's behind that. Like it it kind of I don't know. It makes her seem like she's like less human like maybe it's okay that she's bullied because she's she doesn't really mind right but she does mind and i i like that the book luna recognizes that i mean she's she's mature about it but it doesn't mean that she likes it you know exactly so yeah um that's that's the scene here but then it moves on to this really kind of more deep conversation where luna luna first says like i understand why you don't want to go to the feast because she she heard that uh the man that ethiders killed was her was harry's godfather and it says that harry found for some reason that he did not mind luna talking about Sirius. that's the first person he's found that he actually didn't care but like he doesn't mind talking about her and that's the first time that's happened yeah and i think she just has a the right approach you know and she she knows I mean, we know that she has experience with death personally, um, so that always helps with people being able to talk about it more openly, I think. Um, Maybe not always, but a lot of the time it does. And so I think, and Harry remembers that she can see the Thestrals, so he feels like a bit of a camaraderie with her. Right, exactly. Um, So then he asks her about who she's seen die. Now, it's interesting the way he asks because he says, uh, has anyone you've known ever died? He knows that she can see the Thestrals, so it's kind of, I guess, implied why he's asking that. But it's not the same thing knowing somebody who's died and seeing somebody die. It's not the exact same thing. Right, right. 
Um, but like she understands the question correctly, I guess. Yeah. So then we learn about how her mother was an extraordinary witch who liked to experiment and one of her spells went rather badly wrong. Um, So you see that that has impacted her life a lot. Right. She says, I still feel very sad about it sometimes, but I've still got dad. And she says, anyway, it's not as though I'll never see mom again, is it? And then she says, oh, come on. You heard them just beyond the veil, didn't you? And then Harry's just like, what? You The, the what? <laughs> I heard them just beyond the what? Yeah. <laughs> and then she says, I think I'll just go down and have some pudding and wait for it all to turn up. It always does in the end. Uh, I hope there's pudding. She, she's not as obsessed with pudding as there is. Uh, because also pudding doesn't just mean pudding in the British world, believe it or not. So I think most of the time there is pudding because right. it's dessert. Yeah. I think this scene is really, like, beautiful. When yeah, I we, agree. We see Luna, like, and she's had a lot more time. I mean, Harry, obviously, losing his parents has thought about death and losing Cedric and seeing that, but like he hasn't thought about it as much as she has. And I think she has more of a, she's at kind of the stage in her grief where she's, you know, at acceptance and kind of like thinking about what she believes might come after death. And so that's, she's able to kind of give Harry like a, something to think about here. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I, this is one of my favorite scenes. I definitely agree with that. Yeah, so she's she's a good person for Harry to talk to here. Agreed. Um, and it really, like, bonds them, I think, because from here on out, like, Luna's going to be Harry's friend. And I think that even going through the ministry scene necessarily didn't, I mean, it, it, it was like she's part of the group, but it didn't really show that Harry and him were, or that she and Harry were friends. Right. Uh, but now they definitely are. And there's, like, a unspoken kind of ease between them now. Right, um, exactly. And that's why Harry likes to bring her to, um, wants to bring her to Slughorn's party in the next book. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so great, great, great character, great introduction to a character, introductory book. Um, let's let's go ahead and rate her. Let's rate her, and then we will rank her. Yeah, because we have a really <laughs> simple. Uh, comprehensive ranking list uh, yeah exactly it's right there pull up at a moment's notice yes exactly okay so i think so we have our four (laughs) rating say our four four trait rating scale heart humor uniqueness creativity and depth so let's start with heart i think at least four probably five right i mean luna if i think of luna i just would definitely say a five for heart but i think in this book we don't necessarily see it quite as much but by the end, you do. So I think yeah. we could give her a five. I think so, too. I think we go ahead and give her the five. Um, then we're moving on to humor. I mean, she's supposed to be funny. <laughs> she is, she is funny. funny. Like she's, She she's adds not in, some levity. She's not intentionally funny. Um, she herself is not trying to be funny yeah. most of the time. I, but she does provide a lot, lot of laughs. Um, I would say maybe like a three or four. I think four. Okay. She's going to get a so, high score. Yeah, she is. Um, uniqueness, creativity. She's a one of a kind. Maybe. Yeah. I think a four. I, I don't think you would give her. She's, who is like her in any way in the series? 
in the series, yeah, but like having a kooky friend, that's but, kind of a trope, isn't and, it? I mean, getting into the depth part, and not to blur these, but the fact that she does have depth to her makes her more unique. That's true. She's not we just do, we that do kooky like, side character. We do like to blur these, though, so. Well, no, I'm not, uh, I'm not blurring it with this. I'm saying okay. that her having depth is a unique yeah. quality for this type of character. That's, that's a good point. Okay, let's give her four for that. And then depth... I think at this point she might just still be like a three. Agreed. Yeah. Cause I think, I think it's going to go up, but at this point, yeah, we, we get some depth added at the end, but yeah, not until the end. Right. So yeah, I think three for depth. So that's a, a grand total of 16 for Luna. Um, and that's only bound to go up. So Luna stock can, is looking good. Actually. Yeah. You can, you want to buy it before this book, though, because it's already pretty high. True, true. Um, all right. Well, you can find the list of real weirdos, not the list of character ranking. Well, actually, you can find a list of character rankings, not just not comprehensively, um, on our website, realweirdsisters.com. Um, and make sure that you're also following us on all of our social media. Uh, Facebook.com slash realweirdsisters. Twitter at realweirdsister. Instagram at realweirdsisterspod. And, um, of course, number one way to support the show, patreon.com slash real weird sisters, or you can go to our website and click on become a patron there. Shout out to all of our patrons who continue to help grow the show and support the show. We couldn't do it without you. Oh, no, definitely not. <laughs> exactly. So we also uh, want to thank everybody who's written a five-star review of the podcast. Um, we really appreciate those reviews because they help our show immensely as well we do have a new one this week to read from luna meowfoy and i did say that correctly i love meow, that name that's cat. cute yeah well you just love it because it says meow <laughs> um but i had to read this one because it's on our luna character study um and the title of this review is brilliant so Luna Meowfoy says, this is hilarious. The episode about Lucius Malfoy is so funny. Please continue the character arc for him. Have we not finished the Lucius character arc? I thought we had, but. I don't think we have. I think we, I think we did our first Lucius one when we were not doing. Um, yeah, we've only done one part one character you study. You sound so. like Lucius. Yeah, you sound like Lucius. Um, so. We talked about him in the beginning of the series, the first three books, but we have not continued. So that'll be fun whenever we get to that. Let's see. On our Real Weirdos list, I'll see when he's coming up next as having won the Real Weirdo. Uh, oh, he only ever won it once. So maybe that could be one that we slip in there um, because we only ever gave it to him once and we never finished his character arc. <laughs> that was weird thinking on our behalf. Yeah, well, it was back in August 2020. There were things going on. It was hard to it, That was of- when we were still figuring out if we would do like characters all at once or if we would come back well to them later. and it was also a weird time in the world so <laughs> we were not right. necessarily thinking things through totally but we had just started the character studies like three or four months before that well yeah exactly so it was a combination of things but yeah I, that's a good reminder that maybe we, one of these days we could jump back into doing lucius um because that would be fun yes maybe when we get to it maybe when we get to a character who is like not going to be warranting a character study. Um, then we like, could slip well, I, we, the, the only one I see coming up, and that's not for another 21 chapters, uh, <laughs> is Professors Tofty and Marchbanks. But, but the, there's got to be somebody on the list who we've already done. So maybe we could do it at that point. Okay, true. Yeah, that's true. We, we have um, Hermione in a couple of weeks. We already finished the Hermione arc. Yeah. 
So maybe yeah, then. Yeah, okay. That's we'll not see. a bad idea. Oh, and did we finish the Draco arc too? Because he's coming up too. Uh, I thought we did finish Draco, but maybe... yeah, we did. We did six parts on Draco, so I think we finished him. <laughs> We've closed the book on Draco. I think it's safe to say we're not going to be doing any more Draco studies, but maybe we could do we could do the the Lucius one. That is his father, after all. Yes, my father will be too pleased to hear about this. <laughs> Yes. Father says we've got to see to the top box, courtesy of Cornelius Fudge himself. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, speaking of father, uh, we actually will be taking a break from our Luna character studies next week because he's back. Shut up, Tim. We'll be back. We'll be doing our next take five. Take five. Take three. So t- take three, three, but how do we 4.3 yeah take five take 4.3 because our third goblet of fire take five will be next week um so make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode episodes come out on monday oh and we were on an extra show um this past week we were on the broadcast um on the jay and jack network uh part one was released this past friday um and we've got part two coming out later this week so make sure that you find those episodes we post them uh on our social media so if you're following us on social media hopefully you found it we had a blast with shandy amanda and colleen as usual this was our sixth annual crossover with them i believe um, wow. which is crazy so definitely check that out and um we'll also be back next week with our next take five until next time we're the real weird sisters we're the weird sisters we're the real weird sisters all you other weird sisters are fine we're not the vicars will the real weird sisters please stand up please stand up please stand up